Uh, we're diving into this series, and I know Steve, uh, I wasn't here last week, but I uh, listened to Steve's sermon last week, and I know he talked a lot about being a good steward over our minds and kind of how that all ties in. And today what I want to look at is I want to look at true worship. A lot of people have been to church services where we talk about, hey, this is how we're supposed to worship, and this is why we raise our hands, and this is why we do what we do. But I want to kind of take a look at that because a lot has changed in our society. A lot has changed in our culture over the past 50 years. So how many of you guys grew up singing songs, uh, sitting in a pew with a hymnal in front of you, and they would say, hey, we're going to be singing song number 867 today, and everybody would open it up. And maybe if your church was cool, you had one of those old school projectors that they'd slide the songs on and put them up, and that was really high tech. And when everybody started getting that, it started getting crazy. Uh, But we take a look at our culture, and we've kind of gone through all these different steps. Now, I would, there would probably be the generation before, if you were in the generation that had that, where you're sitting in the pews, there would have been the generation before you that probably would have said, I remember back when books were made or something, but uh, just joking. But we start to realize that there's a lot of tradition, a part of church. There's a lot of things that go way back. And we're constantly, as a culture, kind of adapting to what's new, right? And now, nowadays, everything is technology, right? Everything's, man, LED lights. These are so cool. Now we can really worship God. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how we are as a society. And I know a lot of churches, um, especially when you work on a church staff, it's very easy to be consumed in, okay, what's, what's the next uh, level we can get to? Now we need to be like these guys. And now we need to go for what these guys have. And it's really easy to get drawn in and consumed into that as a church, right? And then all of a sudden, church stops be- being all about Jesus, and it starts being about who has the coolest technology, who has the newest thing to get people saved, Right? And we kind of lose sight that we're really here for Jesus. We're really here to honor Jesus. Just as this weekend we're honoring those people that have lost their lives so we can be free. Every Sunday we come to church, we should be here to honor the one who sets us free, right? That we can live eternally with. So I want to pull up this first, uh, this first um, passage of scripture here. And can we read this all together? Let's start right here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans 12.1. I know Steve talked a little bit on this last week, and I know he focused a little bit on Romans 12.2 as well. But as we take a look at this, and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We start to realize that worship has nothing to do with flash. Worship has nothing to do with anything we want. Worship has nothing to do with how cool of lights, how loud something is, how soft something is, we start to realize worship is really all about us sacrificing ourselves back to Jesus for what he had done for us. And that's our true and proper worship. So as we take a look in that, we're going to, I want to first dive in, like I said, a little bit to our culture and where we're at with that. But before we do that, let's pray uh, this morning. Father, as we dive into this, Father, I just pray that the, the spirit of what we're talking about today and worship would be brought to the front of our minds. And Jesus, that we would realize that we are not perfect, that we are sinners, that 
your picture of what church should be and what it actually is sometimes is drastically different. And Father, we are here today because we want to get in tune with what you want and not what we want. We want to be all about you. So Father, we just pray that you would guide this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So uh, the, the three things we're going to look at today are going to be the priority of worship, the person we worship, and the promise of worship. But like I was saying, over the past 50 years, we've kind of we've changed a lot. And one of the things that's really infected the church, uh, and not just the church, but our world, but it's made, our way, it's made its way into our church, is narcissism. All right? Let's go ahead and take a look at that definition. An exceptional interest in or admiration for oneself. Okay, so whenever I think of narcissism, uh, and this is, this is not dissing anybody who does this, but I automatically think of selfies. Everybody knows what a selfie is, right? You take a picture of yourself, and then you post it online because you want everybody to see how good you look. Uh, and then you post like 50 more, and then another 50, so just in case anybody forgot. Right? We take a look at social, social media in general. And like I said, guys, I'm not dissing social media. Uh, I, I don't have a Facebook, but... Uh, you post stuff about, hey, this is what I'm doing, and, and hey, check out who I met out. And, and I remember I was sitting with some of my uh, youth back at my old church, and they were Instagramming or Twittering or whatever during, uh, during our youth service. And I had realized, I had said to one of them, I said, what are you doing? Oh, my best friend's at a, at, at a party right now, and I wish I could be there. And I realized a lot of these things, we spend so much of our lives watching other people live theirs. So they weren't even able to engage in the conversation we were having in youth group because they wanted to be on their phone and they wanted to be engaged in what other people were doing. Now, is that wrong? No. But there comes a time and place to be able to engage with that and there comes a time and place to be able to engage with the Lord. And what's happened in our society is Jesus has taken a drastic step way to the back of our priority list. And we don't even realize we're doing it. And, and, and most kids, if you ask them and said, hey, is, is Jesus your last priority? You would say, well, maybe they're, <laughs> they're like, hold on. Uh, just joking. That was a joke. No, but when we take a look at that, most of the youth would say, no, Jesus isn't my last priority. Jesus, Jesus is a big priority right now. But you guys are going through the stage where you're, you're figuring out who you are. You're figuring out who Jesus is, correct? All right, we all are in here. We're all still figuring out who we are and who Jesus is. Um, but we get to this point where Jesus starts to fall so low on our priority list that we really stop coming to church for Jesus and we start coming to church for what we can get out of it. We come to church and have you ever had it? And, and I've caught myself in this many a time. So since I've grown up in church, that's all I've done every Sunday for my whole life is gone to church. I'm the type of person where I have trouble going into a new church because I start critiquing. Hmm, wouldn't do that. Ooh, those words. Ooh, oh, wow, no. Uh, and I start doing this and then I start realizing I'm becoming the person that I, I hate. I'm becoming the person that's critique. I'm not there for Jesus anymore. I'm going, oh, Volume could be a little louder there. Okay. Ooh, I don't like that font. Man, they're really doing a bad job of advertising that. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is going, where do I fit into this? Where do I fit into this picture? When does this be, when is this, you guys are here for me. You guys are there because I am, <laughs> right? And we lose sight of that sometimes. We lose sight that, man, we're here. We have this opportunity to come together and 
the stories that surround this room of what people have been through in their lives, what people have gone through, and the amazing transformations that Jesus has had. Or maybe you're someone who doesn't know Jesus sitting there today, and you're like, I haven't had that. But you know what you do have? You have a story. You have a story that's along with that. Because we've all been through a bunch of stuff in our lives. And Sunday mornings is this opportunity to come together and celebrate together who Jesus is and be able to lift his name up. And maybe we shout. Maybe sometimes we dance. Maybe sometimes we sit there like this because we're going through a rough time and we're afraid that if we let Jesus look into our hearts a little bit, he's going to say, Aha! and then you're going to run out of here on fire or something, right? Sometimes that's people's perception of church and they come in and they're very uncomfortable. But really what church is about is Jesus. But I don't want you to be sad about that because guess what? Our God has a ton of grace with us. I don't know about you guys, but I have needed his grace time and time again. So let's jump into the the first point we have here, which is the priority of worship. And the first point I want to make is worship is not a slow song that the band sings. Worship is not the amount you place in the offering basket. Worship is not volunteering in children's church. A lot of these are acts or expressions of worship, but they don't define what true worship really is, okay? So it's great when people tithe, and I I know I said the basket. I know we don't pass the basket. We have the boxes at the back, but a lot of people, you know, it's a form of worship. It's an expression of worship, but really worship, and you've probably heard this before, is a lifestyle. Worship should be something that every day you're living this out, this honor and respect to God and for who Jesus is. So let's take a look at uh, what the definition of worship is. And this was my favorite one. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I loved the way that Webster's Dictionary back in 1828 put that. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Now, here's the problem with our society today. We follow the first part of that. To honor with extravagant love. And we completely leave out the extreme submission. Right? Our culture is consumed with love, love, love one another. Love conquers everything. Yes, Jesus conquers everything. Jesus' love transformed a ton. But we find ourselves in so many areas of our lives that we're unwilling to submit to the Lord. And that's one thing that we're missing from worship. A lot of us want to take that first part, me being included. There's so many times where I'm like, I love you, Lord. And what does the, what does the word say? It says, if you love me, you will obey me. In order to obey someone takes extreme submission to that person. A lot of times you'll see in jobs, you'll see in people that are working under somebody. If they don't respect that person, they slowly stop obeying that person. They stop wanting to do what that person wants them to do. They start building up a wall. And we do that with Jesus sometimes. And we don't even realize we're doing it. We start to build up these walls against Jesus because maybe something in our life went wrong and maybe somebody died and then we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, Jesus, how could you let this happen? And another another brick gets put up on that wall. And then we come here on Sunday mornings and we don't feel a sense of freedom to worship at all. Because we've been building up all these walls and all these relationships and stuff because we refuse to submit to God's authority. And don't feel bad if you're out there saying, that's me, because I have trouble with that too. It's tough to submit to the Lord. 
So true worship, in other words, is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities, okay? And Steve talked about in this series, he's talked a little bit about our heart condition, right? And true worship is a matter of the heart, right, expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Okay, it's a heart condition. And a lot of us feel like we've got it all figured out up here. I guess that doesn't mean figured out. We feel like we've got it figured out up here. But we don't feel like we've got it figured out here. But we don't understand that there's some sort of disconnect there. Because we feel like, man, this all makes sense in my brain. But something isn't right there. Something isn't right. I go to church every week and I feel like I should be able to walk in. And as soon as I walk in the doors, everything, oh, I love coming here because now I feel great. That's not, what, that's not how it works. You don't walk in here and the burden gets lighter. A lot of times you walk into church and the burden gets heavier. Why? Because you're getting closer to the presence of Jesus. You're getting closer to Jesus exposing stuff that you don't want to deal with. And a lot of times we run from that. So what happens? He slowly goes down a priority list. Worshiping him slowly moves down this list. And it's not like people are mentally going, okay, all right, I'm going to move him to five today. No, four. Four is good. Grocery shopping's three. It's not like we, we, we do that. But we happen to sometimes go, man, I, I'm just not in the mood today. Just not in the mood to submit to the Lord. And we end up moving him down. So I want to invite you today, whether you've been saved or you've known the Lord your whole life, or maybe you're not even there yet, I want to invite you to make worship a non-negotiable, a non-negotiable priority in your life. What does that mean? That means coming into church. That means when you're in your car. That means when you're with your family. That means wherever you are at life, making that a priority and saying, I'm going to worship God in everything that I do. It's a lot easier said than done. What's the problem, though? Have you guys ever had distractions? Anybody had a had a time? I'm not just saying in church, but where you you've been trying to get something done and you keep trying to focus on something and then something else comes up. And then you're like, okay, okay, that's done. And then you go to try to do this and then something else comes up and, and, and it distracts you. I don't know about you, but I can look like I'm worshiping sometimes up here. But there have been plenty of times when I've been leading worship that I'm thinking of something else while I'm worshiping. And you go, Zach, how do you sing the songs then if you're not thinking about the Lord? Sometimes these distractions run in, oh, we missed that break. Oh, we missed that break. Oh, and you guys are out here going, really? It sounded fine to me, right? But I know how it was supposed to go. So I'm sitting there. Oh, okay. We missed the break. We missed the break. Now the Holy Spirit's not going to show up. We missed the drum break, right? But that's, that's sometimes how it goes on. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, we missed. Oh, man, we didn't come in on the intro there. Oh, that, that's where God shows up. It's in the intro there. We missed it, right? And sometimes it's easy to get so focused on creating the emotion that we realize loving God and worshiping God is not just about an emotion, And that's what's so hard for me sometimes. Sometimes you have to come in and say, I'm not in the mood to worship the Lord. And that's why I'm going to raise my hands today. Because it's not about me. That's what worship is all about. It's not about us. And I'll tell you, the devil is incredibly great at distracting you. The devil is great. I don't think we realize the spiritual warfare that goes on leading up to a Sunday morning or leading up to something big in your life. That, 
I think we think, I know Steve made reference to this, that we think the devil is this little guy with a little pitchfork that's like, here, I'll get him this time, right? That's not who the devil is. The devil is incredibly crafty. He has been deceiving for many years. He knows how to distract you. He knows what, what is going to get your focus completely off of Jesus onto something else. And worst of all, he's good at doing that without you even knowing it's him. You start to think, it's, well, maybe this is just a thought I'm having, or, or why is that popping into my mind, or what is this, or what is that? And we start to realize the devil is very, very good at what he does. And his goal, the last person he wants us to honor or worship is Jesus. So let's move on to Jesus. Let's move, move on to the person we worship. So the point to take away from the priority of worship is we need to make Jesus our number one priority. The person we worship, why do we worship God? A lot of times, the things I've seen people run into with worshiping the Lord is they worship God because they want something from the Lord. I'm going to pray to God so I can get something back from it. I'm going to worship the Lord, and I'm hoping that if I worship the Lord, then he'll be pleased with me, and then he'll give me the new car I've been wanting or something. Now, maybe that's not your situation, but believe it or not, we think like that sometimes. I'm here, I'm going to use Steve language today. I'm here to suggest to you that we get so focused on what we can get from God that we completely stop worshiping God simply for who God is. God is worthy of us singing songs to him. God is worthy of us making right decisions. God is worthy of us praying. God is worthy of us being in his word. Not for anything we can get out of it, but just because he is God. This Psalm 96, 5 and 6, it says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. In other words, we should worship God simply because of his identity as an omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent one who is not just because God is wealthy or able to meet our needs, but because he is worthy of our worship. A lot of times when I... You know, the, a worship pastor's dream is to be leading worship and to open his eyes and look out and see everybody's with their hands raised, right? That, 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 to us, that's, they're connecting with God. But you know what? I've been in a few churches. I've been in a few churches where that becomes just the show. That's just what everybody does. Okay? When we sing the stand, everybody stood up, right? It can become just for show. It can become just something we do as a part of coming to church. And if, if this person does it or if this person does it, then slowly we all do it. And then, wow, we really feel like we're rolling with the Lord now. But if we look back in the Bible, when we look at figures like David when he worshipped, it wasn't about what anybody else was doing. It was about him and his personal relationship with the Lord. It wasn't just because a song said, lift your hands up. But it was because when you lift your hands up or when you bow down, sometimes it's a sign of submission. It's a sign of honor. You know, when they go to knight somebody, right? They go down on the, the one knee, right? And they do the whole sword thing. 
it's giving us an opportunity to kneel before the king. It's giving us an opportunity to raise our hands in submission. It's giving us an opportunity to maybe cry before the Lord, to maybe shout before the Lord. But it's not about being fake. It's not about doing it just to do it. And that's what I want to encourage you with, is when you come in on Sunday mornings and we're here corporately together, it's not about doing it just to do it. There is a real God who died for you, who deserves all of that honor and glory. And we can't get caught up in the, I don't know this song. It's too soft. It's too loud. We can't get caught up on that. Distractions, distractions, distractions. And now we're not worshiping. Now we're not worshiping anymore. It happens. It happens to all of us. You're not alone. And don't feel like I'm pointing anybody out. I know you complained the other week. Uh, (laughs) Don't do that again. No. You know what? Sometimes we're going to mess up and it is going to be blaring loud. And you're going to be going, well, I can't really sing if it's distracting because my eardrum is blown. No. But sometimes we have to get aside from that. And we have to push ourselves away and say, we have to worship Jesus. It's all about him. Let me ask you a question. Would you continue to worship God if he couldn't do anything for you? Would you continue to worship God if from this day forward, maybe you have your salvation, but from this day forward, he's not going to give you anything you want. You're going to feel far from him. Is God still God? Yeah, he is. Does he still deserve our worship, even if our lives are not going the way we want them to? Yeah, he still does. And that's what we've gotten away from as a society. We are completely consumed with ourselves and what we can get. We want church to be fast food, McDonald's. I want to show up, get a good message, then I want to go. I want to go do the stuff I really want to do. I show up here just because my, you know, I don't know. Right? We have to get away from that as a society. This should be, do you realize there are people around the world that can't do what we're doing right now? Or they could be persecuted, thrown in jail, or killed? And we're able to stand in a room. Look at this beautiful room. This is amazing. This is amazing that we have all this. Yet we get so consumed with ourselves that we start to critique. We start to nitpick. It's not about what we like. It's about what he deserves. And that's something good. It's the same thing in your marriage, right? I always say to guys, you know, in your marriage, you can either be right or be happy. So, that's a joke. None of the women are laughing. Okay. No, but in a marriage, right, you're going to have arguments. You're going to have those times when you go through, you don't see eye to eye on something. But really, what being in a healthy marriage is sacrificing all the wants that you have for your spouse's. Sometimes it's, it's taking a step back and saying, hey, this isn't just about me. When I took a vow with you, this became about us. The two flesh became one, right? So this isn't just my beard. This is Ellie's beard. This is Ellie's beard. Right? It's, it's, it's about that. It's, about, it's the same relationship that we have with Jesus, right? We're the church. We're the bride. He's coming back for us. It's about us. It, giving something to him, not what we can get from him. Okay. Now this last point that I'm going to make, I think this is going to point out why we have a lot of trouble worshiping in church, um, corporately. 
And that's going to be the promise of worship. God is incredibly generous to us. God is incredibly generous to us. And a lot of times when we worship, we open up a door that a lot of us don't want to open up. When we worship, a lot of times we open our heart and let God look down into it. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been here or somewhere else on a Sunday morning worshiping somewhere and God's called something out in you. You've been worshiping and God said, man, you didn't handle that with your wife correctly at all. That's on you. Or, man, you really haven't figured out this sin that you're living in in your life and you need to figure it out. Or, man, you're really struggling with anger and you need to stop being angry. But a lot of times when we worship, God's word says that he comes in and he cleanses. And a lot of us do not want that. The last thing a lot of us want when we're dealing with something in life is to open ourselves up and let Jesus come in and do a little spring cleaning. So what do we do? We avoid it. There's always the people that show up after worship just for the message. And there's always people that show up just for worship and not for the message. It's been at every church I've ever been at. Because there's something convicting about giving yourself to the Lord and about just standing there in his presence, not worried about what is going on around you or what lights are turned on or anything, but just standing there and going, Jesus, man, this is a great time to connect with you. And a lot of us don't like when he starts nudging us and saying, hey, you got to fix this. I love you. I love that we're spending time together right now, but you got to fix this. You've got to fix this. You've got to get this under control. You've, you, you've got you've to figure this thing out in your life. A lot of us get incredibly uncomfortable with this. Psalm 96.13 says, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. When we look at that, Jesus does judge those whom he loves. He corrects those whom he loves. He dives deep in and he pulls out that junk. And a lot of us don't enjoy that process. I don't know about you guys, but there's been a couple times in my life, and when I say a couple, I mean a ton, where my dad, you know, I got in trouble with my dad or something for doing something stupid again, right? And I don't know if you guys can relate with this, but it's always worse when your parents say, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. And you're like, ah, I'm sorry, right? And you have those moments when you're like, oh, I'd rather you just be mad at me and ground me for a day and then we could be cool again because I really don't want to go through this whole disappointment thing. That doesn't feel good at all. And it's, it's the same with Jesus. We know that there are times in Scripture when we see God's wrath and it's not pretty. But we also see these times in Scripture where Jesus is that exact thing, where he's just disappointed sometimes. And we don't like feeling God's disappointment. So we decide to add more and more bricks to that wall. So we don't have to feel his disappointment when we come here on a Sunday morning. Or when you're supposed to be reading, or as, as Steve says all the time, praying with your spouse. Uh, but that's uncomfortable. 
me and Jesus, you know, I really haven't been in my word for two weeks, and I really feel like Jesus is probably pretty mad at me right now. And, oh, man, I've, I've walked away from him the past couple of years, and I just don't know any good way to come back to him because I'm sure he's disappointed that I've wasted two years of, of not pursuing him. And I want you to know, those are those distractions and lies that the devil sends your way. The best way to get back in good relationship with Jesus is to worship, is to pray, and to just dive fully in. And there's nothing that bugs the devil more than that. He does not want to see your relationship with Jesus be on track. So that's what I want to ask you guys today. That's what I want uh, you guys to consider today. Is, as a church, when we come in on a Sunday morning, is our focus... Is our priority Jesus? Is our focus Jesus? Is everything that we do Jesus on a Sunday morning? And the answer is probably no. But does that mean that's something we don't strive for? Does that mean that's something we don't pursue after with all that we have? Absolutely, we need to. Right? In Psalm 96, 8, it says, Give to the Lord the glory He deserves. He deserves us raising our hands. He deserves us bowing down. He deserves us singing songs old and new. He, des- he deserves when Carl rips a guitar solo. It is a pleasing sound to his ear if that is being done for the Lord. All these things are pleasing to him when they're done with a correct heart. That's what I want to point out. That's what we need to be. So the last point I want to make to you is, why should we worship? Because you are not alone worthy, and that's the reason we worship the one who is. Amen? Amen. So as we do that, I invite the worship team back up. Let me pray with you guys. Father, we realize that worship is a huge thing. We realize that around the world, around in churches, worship is one of these things that uh, can be such a blessing, yet such a distraction for so many people. And Father, we just lift you up and and, and we just pray that as Northview Community Church, we could be people that come in here ready to connect with you. Not about our own preferences, not about what we want, but about who you are, Jesus. Jesus, our culture needs you so much. Our world needs you so much. There are so many people that believe false things. There are so many distractions that Satan has created. And we realize that we've completely lost sight of who you really are. So we pray and we rejoice in these times, Jesus, that we have an opportunity to come together and lift up your name because you are worthy. Jesus name. Amen.